Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the radio ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramus, your host for this series, and I'm speaking today with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian, and Amy Russell, a former New Ager and now dear sister in Christ. Now, we've spent the last, I believe, 11 episodes talking about the New Age and her experiences in it and how this is coming into the church. Today, we're going to finish the story with how God brought her from darkness to light. Now, Bob, you had some verses that you wanted to open us with. Do you want to share that with us? Yeah, I'll share one, and then Amy's going to do the other one. The one that we... We ended with some from John 3 about darkness and light. And so here's another one. I think it's very key. John 8 and verse 12. It says, And then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. So the reason that's pertinent was that Amy was telling us that the New Age promises if you go inside yourself or you get into this altered state of consciousness or do this meditation, you're going to find light. But Jesus came from outside the world as the creator coming to his own creation, and he is the light of the world, and the only way to walk in light is to come to Christ so you no longer walk in darkness. So another verse that pertains to what we're speaking on is John 12:46. I have come as a light into the world so that everyone who believes in me should not remain in darkness. And that verse really rings true for me with everything that I came out of. So after what, 20 years of being in the new age? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and we've talked about different times about how the spiritual blinders kind of just started to go up as, as you abandoned Christianity and sought after the new age. But God didn't leave you there. Right. What started to change and, and bring you from darkness to light? Right. I spoke briefly about the final chakra meditation that I had done. So that one was the final one. And... I had felt um, initially that I had awakened, awakened my kundalini power. Uh, I felt it travel up my, sh- my chakras. And in that brief moment, I felt awake and powerful. But then I proceeded to regain consciousness and I quickly crashed back into reality. And I looked around and nothing had changed. The feelings then evaporated and I began to comprehend that it wasn't real emptiness and despair took hold and the walls began to close in. And shortly after that, I began to see and feel a hostile presence around my apartment. One corner in particular was very cold. And when I got close to it, it felt really sinister. And I sensed that I had inadvertently opened a portal. And that night I was awakened around 4 a.m. to a figure standing at the foot of my bed watching me. And I stood up, I turned on my lights, I tried to shake it off. Um, I went over to my bookshelves where I had hundreds of new age self-help books. And I just grabbed my Bible that my dad had given me when I was a little kid. I hadn't opened it in 20 years, but I knew that it was all that I needed. 
So I place it on my nightstand and went to bed. And the next day I was still obviously shaken. And I called a friend from my energy school who had been raised in a Christian home as I had been. And she had also walked away from God. So I told her what had transpired. And she said her theory of it was that it was probably my projection of my subconscious fears that I needed to face. And I'm perceiving it as an evil presence because I'm still identifying with my Christianity that is trying to process out. So she said, it sounds as if you are in the final phase of a major shift before you can do your healing work. And I hung up and I knew that everything she told me was garbage. I was trying wow. to, I was trying to reconcile this vacancy that I felt and I realized it had all been for nothing. And then a verse crept into my head, Psalm 39, five, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. And I felt deep down what that meant, you know, and I hadn't reached some higher echelon of esoteric wisdom. I had just fallen for the devil's lies. And then the wasted years were eclipsed by these hateful spirits I had inadvertently summoned that I now had to deal with. And all my prior dismissing of hell did not negate its existence. These spirits, these evil creatures did not emerge from some enchanted forest. They were demons from hell. And I knew that. So before I went to bed that night, I said a quick prayer. My first one in many years, I just said, Jesus, if you're here, please help me. And I again woke up to the figure at the foot of my bed. Wow. Yep. And it was not masquerading as some ascended master. I saw its true form. It was a gray gargoyle creature about nine feet tall with red eyes and long nails. And I laid there frozen and I telepathically asked it, what are you doing here? And it telepathically responded, you invited me. And I knew that I had. And it said, it's too late. No one can help you now. You're mine. And so I called out to Jesus and this, this light appeared next to me in the darkness. And I knew that Jesus was with me. And Jesus said to the creature, she belongs to me. She's my child. Go. And the creature turned and ran. And I was so ashamed and regretful. And I heard Jesus's words. He said to me, why are you digging in the dirt looking for light? Don't you know? I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man comes to the, I, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And I sat up and I said, I do know that. And instantly the scales of blindness fell off my eyes. John 9, 25, one thing I know, though I was blind, now I see. I asked, wow. yep, I asked Jesus to forgive me and he did. Jesus didn't leave me by the wayside. You know, he came back for me. He told me that he had been right beside me this whole time. He was patiently waiting for me to return to him. That's the God I serve. Not some far off impersonal energy force, a personal savior, like my personal savior, my savior. So the next morning I was, I, I was saying a prayer and I heard the words, call Melinda, call Melinda. And Melinda was a friend of mine from Emmaus Bible College 30 years ago. Um, I messaged her to please contact me and she called me. I conveyed the entire story. 
She said she had just been in her garden praying that God would use her to help anyone who may have, may have fallen away from their faith. So she prayed with me and I officially gave my life back to the Lord. And she told me, hang up and call your mom. And I said, I was too ashamed. And Melinda said, your mom wants to hear from you. She said, I'm a mother, trust me, I know. So I conceded and I called my mom and I told her everything. And my mom said she did not care one bit how I came back to Jesus, only that I did. And then as my dad so eloquently stated regarding the devil's attempts to hold on to me through this demon, well, that backfired. All Satan's, <laughs> all Satan's attempts to hold me down and scare me into submission backfired. You know, praise God. My parents never stopped praying for me. Um, there's nothing more powerful than prayer. Because of my parents' prayers, Jesus never left my side. He was right next to me the whole time, even through all of my abominable practice. How is that even possible? I was so duped, so foolish. Mm -hmm. But I also had deliberately walked away from God and the scales of blindness had formed and my heart had hardened toward him. I didn't deserve his grace and mercy, yet he held on to me and protected me and forgave me and welcomed me back with outstretched arms. That's the God I serve. That's my savior. Wow. That reminds me of the verse that, that um, God used to, as we talked about earlier, grab me by the back of the shirt and say, okay, enough young lady. Yep. <laughs> and that, that was Isaiah 43, one fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Mm -hmm. And when he calls someone and when he has said, you are mine, mm -hmm. he won't let you go. So it just gives me goosebumps to hear your story and how how he just never let you go. And when that time came, enough was enough. Yep. So. Wow. I've heard from others, too, how who got saved out of the new age. And eventually Satan revealed his real character. You know, everybody's story is different, how they come to Christ. But the fact is that how we know we're with Christ is that we're willing to embrace the gospel and to confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and trust him. There may be a lot of events that lead up to that, that are part of providence. And Amy, I'm so thankful that God was merciful to you and washed away all of that darkness through the blood atonement and made you his daughter by grace. It's a wonderful testimony. And I thank God for that. I thank God for that. And some people may be listening here thinking, my life is just too messed up or I'll never be able to be a good Christian or whatever. You know, we think of ourselves. It's not that some sinners are better Christian material than others. We're all just lost and alienated from God before we come to Christ. And it may look nice and wonderful, and it may look very dark and dreary and awful, but I've said something for many, many decades. It's not where you came from, it's where you're going and with whom. And where you're going is to heaven, and who yeah. you're going with is Jesus Christ, your Savior. Yeah. And I'm not surprised at your parents loving and accepting you. I've known 
your parents since 1972. Wow. We met for the first time at a couple's retreat up in northern Minnesota in the middle of the winter. And I'd been married at the time for about six months. And they were old. They were like four or five years older than us. <laughs> but we were the only ones, your parents and then Diane and I were the only ones there under 30. But that was in 1972. Mm -hmm. And I know that we're rejoicing that our daughters are serving the Lord. Jesse wasn't even born yet when I met your parents. Yeah. And um, what you were saying too about, um, it's not about being a good enough sinner to become a Christian. Like there's this grade and if you get up to here, then you can be good enough. I spent years and years thinking, I had to act a certain way to be a Christian, and it just kept me from Christ. And it's not, I mean, I can't say that's something I really learned at church. It just was my perception of things. And I kept thinking, I'm just not good enough to be a Christian. I'd like to be a Christian, but I can't live that way. And it was really crippling for a long time. But it's not about our ability to be a good enough Christian. If it was about our ability to be a good enough Christian, Christ died in vain. Yeah. He he lived the life that we can't live, and we have his imputed righteousness, and then he changes us from the inside out. If we can't reverse the order. We can't be Christianly first and then become a Christian. We are born again, and he creates a new person in us. He He gives us the fruit of the Spirit, and He gives us the desire for the things that please Him, and He gives us a desire for the things that He uses to sanctify and change us, So, which we would call the means of grace. So now my question for, for you, Bob, I know some listeners out there might be hearing the story and thinking, well, okay, but what, what about this manifestation of Jesus? How, how does this work with not having new revelations or um, the idea that the canon of scripture is closed or uh, dreams and visions. I can just imagine that there's some questions back there. Can you explain the theology of this to us? Well, it's about, it's, it's part of providence. And remember, God is in charge of providence. Providence includes all things. Okay, you see that in Ephesians 1. See it in Romans 8. God's in charge of all things. Even those things are evil. He doesn't cause evil, but he allows it. And he works it all out for the good of those who love God are called according to his purpose. Now, over the last 45 years, I've heard hundreds of conversion stories. And what happens right up to our conversion is still, it's, it's all part of providence. And remember, providence contains good and evil. So a lot of things happen, okay? There's not one typical story about how somebody gets converted. So it's not right up to how it happened. God allows a lot of things to happen to bring us to him. Jessica, you were listening to a song on the radio. Uh, right. In my case, my fiance was telling a story about some retreat she went to, and it was on Bible prophecy, and they were talking about rivers turning to blood. And I said, well, mm -hmm. I used to go to the 
Sunday school, I never heard anything about rivers turning to blood. And so she went in and got a Bible with no bookmarks, and she says, I don't know anything about the Bible. I just learned this. And, she, and it flopped open to the very page where it says the rivers are going to turn to blood in Revelation. Wow. Okay, so that's a miracle, mm -hmm. but I didn't deserve that. And, I'm, and it's not normative about how people are saved, but that happened two or three times on other things she said, and I came to Christ. And I, I deserved to go to hell because I was blaspheming God and Christ, and I was angry. And I've talked to people who got saved when they were in a, a totally off-base, false-teaching church. I've talked to people who got saved when they were in liberal churches, and they're sitting there in the total ridiculous liberal church, but some Bible verse somehow gets through to them, and they come to Christ. Uh, there's all kinds of stories. I've talked to people who were in cult-like churches that were way off, but then they realized something was wrong, and they came to Christ and embraced the true gospel. So it's not how you got there. Yeah. It's where you end up. Yeah. Okay? And God uses all things, and he allows all things. That doesn't mean he endorses all things. Okay? You can't take anybody's testimony and then try to recreate that scenario because that's how it's going to work. Now, we've written articles about other versions of how people should become a Christian, like decision theology. So some churches say, here, now here's a little card. It's in the pew. Now you take the card and you mark a little box that says, I want to be a Christian, and drop it in the offering. And that's how you come to Christ. Now I've written about that. Maybe they made a decision and checked a card 30 years earlier, and they actually did believe for whatever reason. And so they said, that's how God does it. And some people say, close your eyes, lower your head. If you want to be a Christian, pray this little prayer, follow me, and then you'll be a Christian. And we've criticized that approach. But that doesn't mean nobody ever came to Christ that way. Yeah. Okay? So what matters is that we actually do come to Christ. And, Amy, you are so far gone into this yeah. kundalini yoga and so yeah. uh, harassed by the demons and so uh, full of darkness God miraculously and powerfully and supernaturally pulled back the veil, let you see what evil really is, that there's no good to it, and then reveal Christ to you. But how do we know that's a real valid experience? Because you're serving Christ now and believing the Word of God. True. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's where you end up. We're not going to go start a Move and say, well, try kundalini yoga, and then maybe Jesus will appear to you. Right. <laughs> Definitely not recommended because you can't, you don't want to do that. Like, well, and, it worked for her. <laughs> yeah. I could say for me, well, uh, flop the Bible. Have your fiance talk to you about, the G, about Jesus, flop a Bible open and see if it lands to the same verse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you couldn't make that ever happen. 
Yeah. Just because it's what God providentially used doesn't mean it's a formula for salvation. Right. There's a difference between providence and what's normative. Okay. okay. Let me explain what's normative. Normative means that's what he's ordained or what we know we should do for preachers. Jesus said the repentance for forgiveness for sins should be preached. He said in uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. That's in Luke Acts. And we know we should preach Christ. The Bible tells us to preach Christ. And that we need to preach who he is, what he did, why we need him, and what he expects of us. And who he is is the eternal second person of the Trinity, the creator. He came into our world, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, predicted his own death, burial, and resurrection. He shed his blood to atone for sins, was bodily raised on the third day. He appeared to many witnesses and bodily ascended into heaven. And he's commanding all men everywhere to repent. And as a generic man, it means people. All people should repent and believe on Christ. That's normative. That's the gospel. Now, if someone was saved through some providential event and they'd heard about these things when they were a little kid and hadn't been serving God, like what happened to you, what I just said now, you'll say, praise God, amen, that's what I believe. Okay? Because God did save you. But somebody else may have some kind of a religious experience with a Christ. And when I preach what I just did, they'll say, no, I believe in the Christ consciousness. Then, you know, it wasn't a real experience. Mm-hmm. Do you see the difference? Right. Yes. It's what you're willing to embrace. We're not in charge of the providential work that God does that you might get somebody to where they need to be. Yeah. But we can discern spirits, and we can discern the spiritual source of things. So it's not saying what's a valid or invalid experience. It's that you came to Christ. And I think God just pulled back the curtain so you could see how evil evil was. Yeah. And let you uh, see that Christ was the only way out of it. And. Dad, you've preached on this several different times, and so there's some good messages out there on this particular verse. But in 1 John 4, 2, it says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. So... Amy's experience, we can verify from God's word because it confessed Christ. The light appeared and it gave her scripture and it was, it was used to convert her, to, to bring her from darkness to life, to light. And now she is confessing Christ. And so we can look at the experience and say, this is what God used to save her by his grace and she is now confessing Christ, right. and this is a true conversion. Right. And that spirit was from God because it confessed Christ. Right. Right. John fourteen six. 
Well, you see, uh, that's exactly right. Jesus Christ come in the flesh. And there's a video, I think it's on our website, uh, How to Discern a True Work of the Spirit. And we go through right. verse after verse after verse showing that's how you discern was the confession of Christ. Yeah. And so there's a lot of stories. I, you know, everybody has a story about how they came to believe that, that's a Christian. Yeah, when people are converted from utter paganism like me, I was I was a blasphemer. The night before I was saved, I was cursing God and cursing Christ and making threats. Yeah, because I know my girlfriend had gone off to this retreat where they were going to, I said, brainwash her mind with all this Christian stuff. And sure enough, she came back saved and I was really mad. But then I got saved, and I had to go back to work that night because I worked night shift with three other guys. And I went back to work, and nobody said anything. They just, they just looked at me odd. We worked all night. I was bagging feed, working, 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 because I didn't know what I was going to say. And finally, at the end of the night, in the early morning, time to get off our shift, they said, well, what happened? And I said, why? Well, I, I came to Christ. Those guys looked like they it seemed something really weird. They were just shocked. They were they didn't know what to say. Wow. And so God ranges so I had to confess Christ because they asked me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He wasn't gonna yeah. let you out there. I had to let you out to, that easy. To the very guys I was blaspheming God, the wow. next day I was confessing Christ. Yeah. So my story has some super providential supernatural things but it's the confession of christ that shows it was valid right after my moment of hearing the line in the song while driving in my car i was near the i think i was on my way to the church actually at the time and i pulled over and i just cried out to god and repented and i mean there i was in uptown for anyone who's familiar with with Minneapolis and people were thinking I was probably a little crazy and I, but I got back in my car and I drove to the church. And at the time we had this massive old building that was just South of downtown Minneapolis and dad's office was all the way up on the top floor. And I got out of my car and I ran up all the flights of stairs and went bursting into his office. And I said, it's true. It's true. It's all true. And he looks at me and he says, that's what I've been telling you. <laughs> but, but, you know, I uh, we don't know what God is going to use, but we know what he's commanded us to do, and that's to preach the gospel. Amen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. All the, right. Amy, do you have I anything you want to add? Oh, go ahead. Well, I tried, you know, like I said, I've, I've told some people out here who asked me, and it doesn't translate. Right away, they go to the Christ. Oh, you found your Christ consciousness. It's like gets lost in translation. But I still have to speak about it regardless, because, you know, it's not up to me to know who's, whose heart it's going to touch. So, but that's the truth. God was, he was grace. He, had, he gave me grace and mercy when I didn't deserve it. So for me to decide who I'm going to tell and who I'm not. It's, it's not for me to say, you know, I just need to, I need to share um, with anyone that I have the opportunity to share. And I just wanted to 
mention again that how grateful I am for my grandparents and for my parents who just kept praying for me, you know, knowing that there was nothing they could say to me, but they continued to pray. And prayer is the most powerful um, resource that we have. And it kept, it kept me protected. Amen. Well, and parents just don't give up hope on your kids. You, you just, you don't know what God's going to do and when he's going to do it. And so just pray for them and be there for them and trust God for the outcome. Mm -hmm. All right. About the kids and the dangers. And this is the danger. Like you, when God pulled away, Jesus pulled away the veil and I saw what I was really getting into. And it doesn't, you don't know that initially. So kids go in thinking it's just all fun and games. It's not, it's really dangerous. And when Jesus revealed to me what I had, what I had actually been dabbling in and what I had brought into my life, I, I couldn't run away fast enough. So it's, it's not innocent fun. And I just wanted to say, um, to quote the verse Psalm 66, 19 through 20, but certainly God has heard. He has given heed to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God who has not turned away my prayer nor his loving kindness from me. Amen. All right. Does anybody have anything else they want to share before we close? Just thank God for his grace and mercy in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Well, we are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary. We want to remind you that you can access this episode and all years of previous radio programs and articles at our website, cicministry.org. We want to remind all of you out there, as it says in Philippians 1.27, stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this has been Jessica Kramis. Bob DeWay, and Amy Russell. Thank you for listening.